Welcome to Stevenson Harwood's Pensions Podcast for April 2022. You can subscribe and listen on iTunes and Stitcher or by visiting our Pensions Hub at www.pensionshub.com. I'm Dan Bowman, a consultant in the Pensions team, and I have with me today Julia Ward, our Senior Knowledge Development Lawyer. Today we're going to consider some updates regarding GMP equalisation, a recent example of the pensions regulator exercising its powers and a government consultation on investment in liquid assets. First, however, we'll just mention the current status of the expected extension of the notifiable events framework. Thanks, Dan. In our briefing on the Pension Schemes Act 2021, we discussed proposals to extend the notifiable events framework. The proposed extension would have changed the corporate events that would have to be notified to the pensions regulator, the timings within which the notifications would have to have been made, and the amount of information that would have to be notified. It was expected that these changes would come into force on the 6th of April 2022. However, neither the consultation response nor the final regulations have been published, and so it seems this proposal has been delayed. Uh, some are expecting the extension to the framework will now not come into force until October 2022. Uh, we will, of course, keep you updated with developments in this area. Now, the last few weeks have also seen some further guidance published on the tax implications for GMP equalisation. Uh, the first of these is some guidance from uh, HMRC on the tax implications for past transfer, transfer out top-ups and conversion. Um, HMRC has confirmed that a transfer top-up payment is capable of meeting the conditions of a recognised transfer and therefore of being an authorised payment. Any top-up payment in respect of past transfers that is made as a lump sum rather than as a top-up transfer payment will need to satisfy the conditions for an authorised lump sum payment at the time the payment is made. So, for example, a small lump sum payment. Where any lump sum is paid directly to a member to extinguish the right to a top-up transfer payment, tax will be due on 75% of the lump sum. If the lump sum is paid to someone following the member's death, the lump sum will be wholly taxable. HMRC has also provided some guidance on the tax implications of GMP conversion, although further guidance is expected in this area. Uh, conversion for deferred members is likely to impact their annual allowance on and from the tax year of conversion and may also result in the loss of fixed protection. There may also be lifetime allowance issues for pensioner members who are subject to conversion. The second area of guidance relates to the tax treatment of interest payments. Pensioners who've been underpaid their benefits due to unequal GMPs may be receiving arrears of pensions due with interest for late payment as part of the equalisation exercise. There has been some confusion over the tax treatment of these interest payments and HMRC has now clarified the issue, confirming that interest payments should be treated as an interest payment made in respect of a late payment of pension instalments. Schemes should not be deducting tax for this at source. Rather, members should be advised when receiving interest payments that they need to account to HMRC for any tax due on these payments. For our next topic, we will consider a recent example of use by the pensions regulator of its powers. In the case of Megaraj Financial Services Limited, the company was the sponsoring employer of a UK pension scheme. The sponsoring employer was a sole legal owner of a subsidiary company, which in turn owed shares in a joint venture company in India. The sponsoring employer entered liquidation in 2014 when the scheme's deficit was estimated at £5.85 million. In 2014, sale proceeds from the Indian joint venture were paid directly into a nominee company called Paramount Properties Limited. 
This deviated from the previous course of business, whereby the sponsoring employer indirectly received most of the monies from the joint venture. However, an agreement was made in 2012 outlining that the Indian joint venture sale proceeds would go to Paramount Properties Limited and that the sponsoring employer had no entitlement to the proceeds. The regulator argued that this effectively deprived the sponsor of the sale proceeds and put them out of reach of the pension scheme. It therefore met the material detriment test under the regulator's moral hazard powers. The panel determined that the 2012 agreement would not be regarded as legally binding and a contribution notice was issued for over £3 million, which amounted to the sale proceeds from the Indian joint venture paid into Paramount Properties Limited. The case potentially evidences that the regulator's willingness to protect UK pension schemes regardless of their size. Although these are not high-profile prosecutions or penalties, the case does suggest that the regulator is becoming more confident to pursue smaller matters. It will therefore be important for schemes of all sizes to take note of the regulator's new powers and implement effective internal governance to avoid scrutiny and sanctions. The fact that the regulator pursued an Indian joint venture also shows how foreign protagonists are not an obstacle for the regulator. This trend is likely to continue. Thanks, Julia. For our final topic, we will consider a a combined consultation issued by the government. The consultation pulls together a number of issues, some new and others arising from previous consultations. In response to the November 2021 consultation on removing performance fees from the scope of the charge cap applying to default arrangements, the government intends to, and I quote, take time to fully understand all the concerns raised, engage further and to explore how these concerns might be addressed in the design of the policy. So no decisions have been made as yet on this. The government is also consulting on proposals to amend the Statement of Investment Principles requirements to ensure that relevant defined contribution schemes disclose and explain their policies on illiquid investment. In addition, defined contribution schemes with over £100 million in total assets would be required to publicly disclose and explain the default asset class allocation in the annual chair's statement. An update is proposed in relation to stopping certain employer-related investment restrictions applying to authorised master trusts with more than 500 participating employers. Employer-related investment restrictions were implemented before master trusts were widely used and the government considers that the current employer-related investment restrictions present certain barriers to master trusts expanding. In response to the DWP's calls for evidence in July 2021 on the case for greater consolidation of the DC market, the government has concluded that no new regulatory requirements will be introduced with the sole purpose of consolidating the market in 2022. However, it will work closely with the regulator to monitor the impact of the value for members assessment, which some schemes will need to start producing this year. Thanks, Dan. That's all for this month's podcast. Further detail can be found in our April snapshot, which is available on our Pensions Hub at www.pensionshub.com. You can also listen to this podcast again and subscribe to the series on iTunes or Stitcher or on our Pensions Hub. Mm -hmm.